Hey there, and welcome to Coordinating Chaos with the ADHD Lady. I'm your host, Amanda, and I am so glad that you joined me today. This podcast is for neurodivergence by a neurodivergent. I'm an ADHD coach with ADHD and ASD, and I am here to help. So let's spend some time together now and maybe learn a few things. Hi, friends, and welcome back to Coordinating Chaos with the ADHD Lady. I'm your host, Amanda, and today for ADHD Awareness Month, which is the month of October, we are going to be talking about ADHD advocacy and then how to talk to your doctor if you think you've got ADHD. So first, let's quick talk about the difference between being an advocate and being a self-advocate. If you're pursuing an ADHD diagnosis, it's incredibly helpful to be a self-advocate. So what does that mean? Self-advocacy is being able to articulate your needs, to be able to make decisions about what you need to get the support that you need and require. Self-advocacy requires communication skills, which some ADHDers do struggle with. It also involves knowing what your rights are and leadership to stand up for those things. But most importantly, it is about knowing yourself and what you need and require from others around you. Outside of self-advocacy, we can also advocate for our community. So this is something that I do regularly. I advocate for the ADHD community and the autism community, as well as the disabled community as a whole, because I've been a part of that one longer than I've had either of those other diagnoses. And advocating for a community means being able to plead or argue in favor of that community or that thing. An important part of advocating for others is knowledge of the thing you are advocating for, knowing the rights that those people currently have and the supports and rights that they are looking to have, because in most of our communities, we do not have the supports that we truly need. And that's where advocacy is so crucial, because it is a standing up for one another and showing people who are not part of this community that, hey, we are not being represented. We are not having our needs be met. Things need to change. A very easy way to do this type of advocacy is to share your story, to educate others about your own experiences. The more knowledge we can spread, the more we can help serve our community and get that awareness that is so necessary. Because unfortunately, ADHD is incredibly stigmatized. Even with all of the recent research, the media still presents ADHD as that, basically the uh, the, the pixie manic dream girl, right? Especially in women. That they're flighty and whimsical and they're just a little bit spacey. Like, I don't know. And then you also have the cis white male representation that is splattered across everything. The bouncy kid who can't keep himself still. Oh my gosh. And are there some maybe small levels of truth to these examples? Sure. Hyperactivity is a very real piece of this condition. But that is not all ADHD is. And when we do that tunnel vision where we focus solely on that trait, it makes it very hard for people to see beyond that one thing within the scope that they're watching. Advocating for ADHDers means advocating for our entire community, and this includes the people beyond the stigma. BIPOC communities are not well represented. Women are not well represented when we think about ADHD. And raising awareness means that we need to be talking about these things. 
We need to talk about how underprivileged communities lack a diagnosis, and even when a diagnosis has been provided, the resources and supports are not there. We need to be talking about how ADHD is so much more than just the hyperactive, bouncy little boy. That more than anything, ADHD is an executive functioning disorder. I know people within the community have made quirky little nicknames to try and rename ADHD, which is great. I do think we need a new name for our condition. However, and this is one that some people may not agree with, and that's fine. You are entitled to your opinion. I don't feel renaming ADHD to something like Dave makes it very inclusive. Women already have to fight hard enough to receive a diagnosis and renaming ADHD, even in a joking way, to a man's name only further limits them from having that access to diagnosis. I am 30 years old and only received my formal ADHD diagnosis two years ago at 28. I went 28 years of my life thinking that I was just I was just weird and I just had to try harder and I'm not good enough and I don't understand why these things that are so hard for me are not hard for other people. It should be easier. Why can't I just do it? I'm a failure. I suck. And so many other horrible narratives. And all of those things weren't just from my own mind. People have told me my whole life, well, you would do so well if you just followed through. If only you'd practice, then you'd be better. Why can't you just try harder, Amanda? Get it together, kid. What's your problem? Stop talking. Stop bouncing your leg. Can't you just sit still? What's wrong with you? When you are constantly told that you are not enough, you start to believe it. And I don't have a time machine that I can go back and see if actually having my ADHD or ASD diagnosis sooner would have made a difference, especially with the resources being as limited as they were when I was a kid. But I do wonder if I had that answer, would it have changed things? It's crazy because getting the late diagnosis came with this wave of grief. And I wasn't sad because I was diagnosed with this stigmatized thing. I was sad because... It explained so much. The ADHD explained my lack of follow through, why I'm always distracted and bouncing from one hobby to the next, one task to the next, why I was so talkative. That was one of the things I was known for in school. On a previous episode, I mentioned how I won most talkative in high school. I also won most dramatic, but they would only let me have one superlative title. And most dramatic did not seem like as nice of a one to win, especially because what that actually meant was that I was so sensitive. Yeah, the hypersensitivity that came from my autism that I also didn't know about. This is going a little off subject, but it's funny because when I think about those times, I think about the kids who considered themselves the outcasts who didn't hide who they authentically were, didn't mask themselves in any way. They just embraced that, hey, we're the outsiders and we can be as weird as we want to be and that's fine because that's who we are. And it was always nice to that group. But even among those people, I still felt like an outsider because all I did with every group of friends was mask myself. I fought so hard every day just to fit in. I tried not to be the talkative one. I tried not to be the dramatic one. And by college, my masking became grade A chef's kiss. 
It seemed like I had so many friends because by that point, I had learned how to fit into every community at my school. I was friends with the nerds. I was friends with the cool girls. I was in a sorority. I was friends with the radio TV people in my major. I was part of student senate and each group of people had a very different way of working with one another and hanging out with one another and I blended into each of them. It's funny because at that time I was like, oh, it's because I'm outgoing, not because, oh, I'm changing the person that I am with every group of people that I'm with. I was masking. And so the late diagnosis grief had a lot of reflection like that recognizing all the times that I masked, all the times that I struggled, and my ADHD was kicking my ass and I had no idea why. And that is why knowledge is such a crucial part of self-advocacy. Knowing what you're up against, knowing what you need. A question I get asked over and over, especially over on TikTok, is how do I talk to my doctor about this? Through knowledge. That's how you talk to them. And unfortunately, we have to keep a doctor's ego in mind when we're preparing for those visits. So something I've done with many clients, both on the ADHD side and also on the ASD side, is go through diagnostic criteria together. So we sit down and we compile a Google Doc going back and forth over the diagnostic criteria, and they talk about examples from their childhood, from their current world, and we see how the criteria fits them. Going through, having that knowledge, having those examples prepared ahead of time is really, really helpful to going in and talking to your doctor. Because most doctors are going to say, hey, what what are you here for? Why do you think you have ADHD? And a lot of us freeze or we default to things that, you know, are a bother, but it's not a constant interruption in our life. And that's the key, is providing those examples of how this thing is constantly affecting you because everyone's late sometimes. Everyone loses things sometimes. Everyone gets a little dysregulated sometimes. But when you are losing your keys every single day and having a massive tantrum over the fact that you can't find them and then it makes you late repeatedly, day after day, that's a problem. And that's part of the DSM criteria, is it needs to be a regular occurrence. And for us ADHDers, it is. That's why the disability superpower debate is so heated. Because those of us that are so incredibly disabled by this disorder cannot see that it's a superpower. Which I feel like a parent just said to their kid, oh, ADHD is a superpower one day to make them feel better about the diagnosis. And now people try to use that as a debate. And I'm sorry, it's not. It is a disability. But that doesn't mean that every piece of ADHD has to be a negative. But because ADHDers are all or nothing thinkers, we all struggle with that middle ground, the shades of gray in between. And this is something that I like to talk about in coaching because we're stuck with this brain, whether we like it or not. So we can go around every day hating everything about our brain, or we can try to find some good and create a balance for ourselves. And creating a balance is not something that comes very easy to ADHDers, which is why I'm there to help facilitate that. Now, after my own ADHD tangent, let's get back to how to talk to your doctor. (laughs) 
Okay, so we've done the prep work. We've gone through criteria. We've provided examples from childhood that it's been present since then, where it's currently interrupting our life in multiple capacities. And if that's all you're looking for from coaching, that you really don't think you need any ADHD coaching right now, you just want to get the diagnosis, sign up for my two-hour coaching trial, and that's something that we can do in that time together. This way, you're talking to someone who is knowledgeable of the criteria, and I can change things around as far as how it's communicated if you're struggling to understand what the criteria is asking for. This is especially true with the autism criteria because it was made for boys. But with ADHD criteria, it is a little more straightforward. And in one of my first episodes on the podcast, I've actually gone through criteria. But I, like I said, have sat down with several people and help them to understand what they're looking for from each point so that they can then sit back and think without the pressure of a doctor staring at them, you know, okay, how, how do I make careless mistakes? Do I ever feel like I'm driven by a motor? And the other thing is I'm not there to judge. I'm simply there to have someone to bounce the ideas off of and to help you understand what they're looking for. But you can certainly do this on your own at home. And I would highly recommend doing so before meeting with your doctor because the doctor most likely is going to sit there judging and questioning you. There are doctors who think that ADHDers are just coming in looking for a diagnosis so that they can get put on Adderall. Not recognizing that most ADHDers forget that they even have the medication to begin with. But if you prepare and use the knowledge ahead of time, then you can say to your doctor, listen, I make careless mistakes all the time. I left a candle burning and wound up having uh, burn marks all the way up the mirror in my bathroom because the candle was up against it. And thank God it was against that and not something else because I could have burned the whole house down. That wasn't something I did when I was in middle school that I got yelled at for. (laughs) Just forgetting to blow out the candle. That was a huge careless mistake that could have burned my whole family's house down. That's one of the reasons my sister isn't allowed to have candles in her room. (laughs) Yeah. The next piece of how to talk to your doctor is talking about medication. And most people don't want to look like a drug seeker. So how do you say, I want to be put on ADHD meds without coming off that way? Honestly, this is where I would come at it from asking for all the information from your doctor. Now, hey, I... I, think I'm really having these struggles. Here's all the examples of where I'm struggling. I do think it could potentially be ADHD, but I want to see what your thoughts are, what your feelings are, and how we can work on helping me better function in my day-to-day life. I know there's a lot of med options for ADHD, both stimulants and non-stimulants, and I was wondering what your opinion is and how those could potentially serve me and make my life easier. I'm open to try any suggestions that you feel are appropriate for my current circumstance, but I do hope that we can have a dialogue back and forth if the first meds that we try aren't suitable for my needs. And I do encourage you to have that kind of dialogue with your doctor. And if the doctor that you're seeing is not open to that, you're allowed to get a second opinion. You're allowed to go see someone else. I know psychiatrists take a very long time to get into in most circumstances, so going and seeing someone else next week is usually not an option. So that's a piece of receiving a diagnosis that I would be very conscious of as well, that the person you are seeing for a diagnosis is knowledgeable about ADHD, especially if you are a woman or person of color. 
The hard part definitely comes in when someone says they're knowledgeable about ADHD and then they know shit. But again, this is where self-advocacy is very crucial. This is your moment to sit and fight for yourself. To either say to the doctor, I really don't think this is just anxiety or depression. I have been having this battle for years and none of the other treatments for anxiety and depression have been an effective method. This is your moment to make your case, to defend your need. But again, you are allowed to go to someone else if the person that you are trying to defend yourself to is not listening. I was very blessed with my ADHD and autism diagnosis to have a psychologist who is so mindful and knowledgeable. I love my therapist. She's amazing. I would be at a very different place in my life without her. But I have had the self-advocacy battle with my other disabilities. I have a lot of medical problems, folks. And for a solid two years, I had recurrent stomach issues that had no explanation that made any sense. I was hospitalized for weeks on end, had every GI scan imaginable, and I could have given up. I could have just said, okay, I'll just live on Zofran for the rest of my life and that's it. But I knew something wasn't right. And it was not the bulimia that the nurse in one of my hospital stays tried to convince me that I had. That pissed me off to no end and that could be another episode in itself. Even though it has nothing to do with ADHD. But I fought. I fought for answers. I saw multiple doctors. In fact, I was actually admitted into the hospital with them fully prepared to remove my gallbladder as an option. A surgeon is actually the one who had me admitted that time because I looked for every possible option for what I was struggling with. And when I finally got answers, it was because I fought for them. I went in for a pill capsule endoscopy and said, hey, I still haven't gotten results of the blood work for my hospital stay. The nurse was like, all right, fine, I can print them out for you. She gave me the papers as I was on my way out the door because then I got to sit as the pill went through my digestive tract for the rest of the day. And I wasn't allowed to be on my phone that day. But when she handed me the paper, she said, you know, I don't know what any of this means. It says that you tested positive for this thing, um, you know. The doctor can, I guess, go over it with you. And I tried to get the doctor to go over it with me. He's actually the reason I asked the nurse. Because I said to him, I still haven't gotten these results. And he said, those results aren't important. They're not going to actually show anything. We're just going to do the pill capsule endoscopy. If you really care, you can ask the nurse. Those results are why I received a hereditary angioedema diagnosis. My C1 estrace was low. But if I had just listened to that doctor and not pursued answers myself, I would have had no idea. I would have continued to be hospitalized over and over and over again, living in the emergency room multiple nights a week with no answers as to why. Now I continue to live in the emergency room, but at least this time I knew what medication was going to send me home just a few hours later instead of living there and being admitted for yet another week. Fight for yourselves, friends. You deserve answers. And unfortunately, the way that most of our healthcare systems look at mental health, you need to fight even harder. You deserve the peace of understanding what's going on with you. And at the end of the day, it may be something outside of ADHD. There are traits that cross over. So be open-minded if another thing is what you wind up being diagnosed with. But if you truly feel in your gut that you are not being taken seriously, that your needs are being overlooked, stand up and fight. 
All right, that's all for today, friends. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode of Coordinating Chaos with the ADHD Lady. If you guys have any other questions, feel free to reach out to me on my website, theadhdlady.org. And if you're looking for affordable coaching support, I do have a large group starting in November. Reach out, check it out, head to my website for more details. Thanks again for listening, friends. I'm your host, Amanda, signing off.